Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on the 11th of November of 2020. Hey, 11, 11, 2020. That's nice. That's mm-hmm. that's that's very satisfying. Yep. Like it's cutting a, a bar of soap. It's a manga kind of week, as as almost every week is, mm-hmm. except when they don't publish manga. Then it's not really a manga week. Some would say those are the most manga weeks of them all, because you need yeah, manga now because you don't have any. Yeah. So you're hungry for manga, and you smash open the window to books a million, and you start tearing apart chapters of of fucking Rosario Vampire, and you're just like, I need it! And then the clerk's like, sir, you have to pay for those, and you rip out their throat with your teeth. And then uh, you, when you're being, you wake up and you realize that you're just in the parking lot outside of a Best Buy somewhere, mm-hmm. and you're like, what happened to the books a million? And someone comes up to you and is like, books a million. They've been shut down for years. Oh, boy, there hasn't been a books a million in these pods for a decade. <laughs> I know books a million still technically exists, but I haven't seen one. In there there actually is one by my house. So that's the only reason why that was my pool. Our borders closed down. I got replaced by a books a million, which I don't think is the way that usually goes. Yeah. No, there's... Uh... We need more bookstores, man. If it's bad. Hey, <laughs> if you're listening, you got to make sure to support your local bookstores because those are those are facing some tough times. There was a books a million by my dad's house for years and years, and then it got shut down and turned into like a pet supply store slash doggy daycare center. And I was like, this is the worst possible thing that could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> for Nick exclusively. One of my favorite places to go versus why? <laughs> I remember um, going when our borders closed. If you went in there, it was great just because it was clearly like a store closing that gave zero fucks anymore. So <laughs> yeah. all of their signage was full of sass. It was all shit like. If you ask us why we're closing, we're going to tell you the same thing we've told 50 other people today, <laughs> that you didn't buy enough books and shit like that. And it's just like, I don't know, it's something very satisfying about like the end of a store closing. Like, no longer do you have to worry about the shackles of corporate to be like, well, that's not what our borders of brand message would be. It's just like, oh, fuck you and your e-readers. The Kindles have destroyed us. And then everyone slowly realizes Kindles have also become an obsolete form of media consumption so yeah i guess when it's uh, when it's closing down in that way like if it were a different situation you could be like okay i'll continue to you know be a good employee because then i might end up at one of the other stores but all the stores are closing (laughs) yeah i was gonna say there wasn't like a borders around us for a while so i don't think anyone was getting transferred anywhere i think everyone was just losing their job and they were like whatever yolo speaking of reading we read manga for this week, Chris. Yes. Um, so we've got 10 series to talk about today. It's kind of a lighter load than usual. But let's let's, oh, let's get into can it. We, uh, can we make a bunch of Ty Dillinger jokes if we got just 10 to do? Um, I don't know many Ty Dillinger jokes beyond that one. How so. about his AEW singles career? Bam! Hey-o. Roasted. I've won so much on Dark. Yeah, but, I mean, have you seen the people who win on Dark? (laughs) It's also like, I've got the Black Glove gimmick. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot you have that. It's weird. You're you're still represented by Tully Blanchard, and yet they've never bothered to bring you in on a single FTR promo. (laughs) Not a single one. 
that whole thing is like, who is this mysterious masked person who's helping FTR? Like, I mean, it could be Sean Spears. That'd be, you know, because they're linked as a no, it's just, it's just totally Blanchard. Like, because <laughs> he's still good enough to do run ins like this. Yeah, you couldn't get the guy who's like two decades younger than him to run out and hit someone with the chair. It had to be totally Blanchard to do it. Had to, it had to be. Also, uh, uh, stuff happens on Dark that I'm not aware of. Like, apparently, the Natural Nightmares are like the third ranked tag team in AEW. I'm like, how? When? <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, that's that's how that basically goes. That's that's also how Butcher and the Blade and Jurassic Express are like two of the top five tag teams as well. You put them on Dark, you let them get matches. I don't know. It works. Keeps I mean, keeps not- wrestlers employed. I'm not objecting to the system because it's a good system. It's just still like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, well, it's 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 like when you look at uh, the top five rankings and you see like Ricky Starks is like fifth in line, like ranked number five for a singles male title. It's like, has he won on Dynamite ever? And you're like, no, he's one of but on dark. <laughs> on dark, he's like undefeated. He's a he's a, he's like Goldberg on dark. And then he shows up on Dynamite to lose to Darby Allen. But yes. on Dark. <laughs> That's where he's king. All right, we should stop alienating our audience. So many times. <laughs> but Nick, he looks a lot like Jungle Boy. Have you thought about that? Because no. they certainly have a hundred times. <laughs> anyway, we've got a. <laughs> I'm kind of putting off like. So uh, there were a couple of series this week where something like really big happened. But no bigger plot development than in the first one, which not since Toby is Obito has there been a reveal of a villain's identity in a mainstream shonen uh, action series. By the way, uh, before we get into it, uh, Tropical Storm is, is about to hit the coast. So if you hear rain pattering against the window and stuff, I apologize for any audio issues it causes. And hopefully no storms knock out my power during the yeah. recording. But I'm just going to give a warning to uh, expect potential difficulties. Uh-huh. So uh, there was a reveal that happened this week. And it was a reveal that I have mentioned on this show multiple times. Uh for a while because it's been a popular theory for a while. So when it happened, uh, actually it got spoiled for me. Uh, Nicole told me that she had seen some spoilers on Twitter and stuff like that. Uh, During all the election stuff that was happening uh, last week, this was one of the things that broke the trending stuff on Twitter. And like this and, you know, states being called were the top trending things on Twitter last week. (laughs) So, it's weird. Everything else, everything, all the states being called were highly contentious, very significant things. And this one was the other thing on there is like the most obvious announcement ever. Yeah. Just like this, just in water wet. Also, and Pennsylvania going blue. Like, what? So, way back when we talked about Toby being Obito, you got a little bit of heat because oh, I, it was not a little bit. It was, it was, I, I got shouted at. You got some heat, let's mm. say that. It's much more a nebulous term uh, for putting the spoiler in the title. But it was a spoiler that, like, anyone familiar with the series would have been familiar with the theory. So it shouldn't have been that big of a spoiler. Yes. This, I think, even more so. People were saying, like, well, 
the guy who has fire powers is probably the lost son of Endeavor. <laughs> like, so... Yes, the connection was very easy. So that's what happens in chapter number 290, Dobby's Dance of My Hero Academia. Dobby is Endeavor's lost kid, Toya. That is what the entire chapter is about. Now, that said, there are a couple of things that Dobby also reveals in this chapter that I hadn't put together uh, while I was reading through the series that were kind of cool to learn. And, um, well, I guess let's go through it and let's let's judge the reveal in the chapter by how it plays out. Because we don't actually start this chapter anywhere near the battlefield. We start it in the hospital where uh, Ray, Shoto's mom, is staying. And there are some attendants who are rushing towards her room because uh, she's been making a lot of progress. And something is happening that could cause a setback to that. As she is watching something on TV as a news broadcast gets interrupted and Dobby is sitting in a chair on the camera and his jacket has been discarded. So you can see all of his scars. So then we get the explanation for how this happened. As we got over to the battlefield again, Shigaraki's not doing so great, so great physically. And all for one is clearly concerned about his condition, <laughs> whatever. There's a fight stuff going on. Uh, people join the battlefield uh, Nejire and Todoroki both let out big blasts of energy and fire at Gigantamachia. Not Gigantamachia, at uh, Shigaraki. And then Gigantamachia gets in the way, basically, uh, by going, bah. And I'm not sure exactly what happens, but he snatches Shigaraki out of the air and seemingly knocks both Todoroki and Nejire away from him. Yeah. Uh, Bakugo, uh, Ida is trying to, you know, get him away from the battlefield. And Bakugo's like, no, I've got to win. I haven't tapped out yet. I didn't hear no bell. Ding, ding. <laughs> I mean, he's not doing great. So. I mean, great. It's like, well, you, I mean, you rang the bell after it. He didn't ring a bell at Rocky. That, that was the whole point. He's just like, fuck you, Ida. Nerd. Endeavor thinks that it's up to him, basically, at this point. He's the strongest person still on his feet. Uh, and he, but he acknowledges, I don't even know. I mean, one of my lungs is gone. It hurts to breathe, but I've got to do this. I've got to stop this guy. I'm the nation's top hero now. And then from Gigantamachia's back, Dobby pops out and he is so happy. We made the comment last time I made the observation that big two-page spread of how Dobby was striking the weird pose. I guess it was because he was so he's been he has been fantasizing about this moment for years, probably. And he's so excited to finally do it. And he pops out and he spots Endeavor and he spots Shoto. And uh, so Endeavor goes, ah, Dobby. And Dobby takes out. A bottle I'm assuming it's bleach. There's not really any indication of what exactly it is beyond what it does, which is it turns his black hair white. And Dobby says, is that any way to address me? I have a great name. Call me Toya. 
And of course, Endeavor and Shoto are both completely dumbstruck by this. And Dobby's like, I mean, I, I figured you guys would have figured it out. But <laughs> such a, like, yes, I know you know the reveal already. Shut up. <laughs> you guys get, but they don't. Like, okay. So at the same time that this is happening, Dobby is has presumably had skeptic uh, hack into the f- news feeds everywhere and broadcast this pre-recorded message he has, which is to proclaim himself, he's Toya, the eldest son of Endeavor. To date, I've killed over 30 innocent people in cold blood, and today I'd like everyone to know what drove me to that. And he basically lays out, hey, Endeavor was into eugenics, and he did some really bad shit to his family, and he tortured me in order to try and get me to live up to the potential that he saw in me. And uh, I nowadays he's trying to move past those egotistical dreams and try to be a good hero and a, and a good person. But I, his failed creation, have never forgotten any of that. I've been keeping watching him. And these murderous flames of mine are Endeavor's flames. And then over on the battlefield... He gets to mocking Endeavor by saying, like, yeah, everyone knows the truth about what a dickhead you are now. (laughs) And he says that all of this has been to just trample over Endeavor's life. Everything that he's done, including some things that we didn't know that he had a direct hand in, such as that one uh, modified high-end Nomu that was sent after Endeavor. He specifically sent him after it. Uh, ending he sent after Endeavor. He tipped him off to where he was. And uh, he's d- literally like dancing down Gigantomachia's arm as he says all of this. And he talks about how, oh, I thought you would have might have might have died back in Kyushu. But then, you know, I led the those others towards you. And then you were number one. And it's all you've ever wanted. Oh, but it must have been so hard on you. And. Now he's like, now you can stare your kids in the eye. So now do you feel like you've got a a warm, happy family again? You must have thought as long as I can face the future, I can be better. But now you're at a loss for words. So I'll give you the answer. The past never dies. And he's got this very demented look on his face as he gestures towards himself. And he says, let's tango, Enji Todoroki, a dance with your son here in hell. As Endeavor and Todoroki both look shocked and horrified by this because they've seen a ghost. So you don't stand a ghost of a chance. I mean, he's saying some stuff that that would kind of probably fit <laughs> right in, honestly. The, so. four, the four kids dub of, of my hero would say that. Oh, um, when I when I sent ending after you to bother you incessantly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can't can't have bad guys doing bad things. They have to just be obnoxious. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like the elephant in the room is that this is a twist that everybody's kind of been expecting. Uh, I will say, I will say this. Uh, if I did not do this podcast with you, this might have been a surprise to me, just because I don't follow my hero that closely. So in that way, this could have potentially been a very surprising twist. Uh, but the thing that bothers me about this is mostly something we referenced like four or five months ago when Dobby quietly said his name to Hawks. And I'm like, 
do you really need to like tease this out more if it's just going to be the most obvious thing it is and it is you're just like it makes me look back at that chapter be like maybe it's one of those things where you have to write for the dumbest person in your audience so everybody can Mm -hmm. kind of enjoy it and the idea is like maybe someone this is a series primarily intended for like 12 year olds yeah like so maybe somebody didn't get it and that was supposed to be like oh who that was supposed to be your tip off that he's somebody important for then this reveal but yeah i mean it's it's fine as a reveal i do love the full page spread of him and it does make things more exciting i am gathering that horrifying sensation that fucking gigantomachia is just gonna scoop up shigaraki and leave which uh i don't i might have to break something if that happens that's how annoyed i'll be but otherwise you know fun chapter yeah, um, I do think that it's great to see Dobby's like true nature properly on display here because he's always kind of been the guy who's just like doesn't really care about some stuff going on. And now you see like this is the thing that he's been waiting on, the thing that he's really been working on uh, in secret and the thing that he takes the most pleasure in and which is being a sick fuck who likes mentally torturing people and rubbing it in his jackass dad's face. So um, I, I, I like the idea that, you know, he's, you know, reveling in all this to the point that he is literally dancing as he gives his big villain speech. Um, and it's a much more effective use of, you know, the not Chigaraki villain uh, who is the most important uh, than we had with Toga, where it was just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least this one kind of got right to the heart of things. And it does have some pretty intense implications because, it's, you know, we see that he was broadcasting this message out. So beyond the fact that all these major cities have been destroyed and a whole bunch of heroes, including some of those on the top 10, are now dead. The regular public is now also going to have to tend with the news that the number one hero was involved in eugenics and basically like tortured his his one son until the kid snapped and became a supervillain who's now behind a lot of that stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of ramifications here. Yeah. Um so we'll see where this goes. I don't think it's going to be as simple as and then Gigantomachia grabs them and they all run away. Oh, um so because there are like there is still some stuff going on. Bakugo is specifically refusing to leave the battlefield. Best genus probably is on his way. Um, so I think that there's probably going to be some fighting. It's probably going to look bad. And then the cavalry is going to arrive and then they're going to be like, OK, we have to go. Um, but. God. We're close to this whole thing having lasted like the entire year, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So. Hey, let's move on to Kaiju number eight. Let's do it. 16. So Ichikawa is staring down the humanoid Kaiju and understands that this thing took out Shinomiya. So he clearly can't beat it. So his goal right now is just to buy Iharu time to escape. So he starts shooting his gun uh, and he's managing to dodge some of its shots or reduce them to just grazing blows. Uh, Ihara was booking it and he's just like, God, I can't believe that that guy is, has come so far that he can actually hold his own against that thing. And he's like, God, this really pisses me off as like a stray 
blast ricochets off the pavement right in front of him, almost hits him as he's running away. And he recalls what uh, Haruna told them. It is Haruna, right? The vice captain's name? Hoshina, I think. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, Hoshina sounds right. So, uh, which is, you know, a lot of people uh, hit the wall around 20 to 30% uh, in terms of what they can draw out. And Iharu's like, I haven't broken past 20% after, you know, these two weeks of training. And he recalls back when he was saved by um, Mina. And he's like, God, just ever since that day, I have dedicated my life to getting stronger. But despite all that, that guy surpassed me like it was nothing. This pissed me off so much. Meanwhile, Ichika was doing okay, but he's really not holding. He's not actually going to beat this thing. There, there is no way. Uh, as the humanoid Kaiju kind of just flash steps basically to get right next to him. And as he jerks his gun around, the Kaiju's like, you've been acting like you know all about me, but I bet you didn't know about this. And he, he's just got a bunch of swollen bullet things instead of just his finger guns now. And he's going to gatling him from close range, basically. But at the last moment, Iharu comes dashing back and tackles him out of the way and uh, gets them both out of the blast range. So, of course, Ichika was shocked by this. Iharu's like, Reno's not the one I'm pissed at. I'm pissed at the guy who's gotten no better since then. Pissed at the guy who's always getting saved. And so he tells Ichikawa... You ain't the one saving me. I'm the one saving you, dumbass. And that could have been the end of the chapter, but no. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ihara reports that he did send up a flash round, but the humanoid guy just like, oh, okay, well, that's not going to work, though. Nothing, living or otherwise, can get out without my permission. So Ihara's like, all right, we just going to man up then. We got the two of us got to take this thing down. Uh, so he tells Ichikawa, I'm going to back you up. I'll make an opening for you. You blasted it with a shot at full force. Ichikawa's like, all right. And so they start sh- they start fighting this thing. Iharu uses a conductor round, which causes electricity to arc from behind the kaiju from when he dodges it up into him. Uh and he's like, yeah, you're not the only one who's been experimenting with different rounds. Uh, the humanoid kaiju fires a shot at Iharu, and Iharu's like, come on, I've gotten taken shots. I've got to grasp on the timing now. And he manages to dodge out of the wave at the last second. Uh, and then a few and bullets. And then he has the eyes. Yeah, yeah, the eyes, the eyes, the eyes. They're so <laughs> special. Bullets hit the human Kaiju in the leg, and he's like, now, Reno! And Ichikawa unleashes maximum combat power! And Ichikawa mentally says a little prayer, please, God, just for right now, just for this one second, I'm begging you, I need to be stronger than Shinomiya, than even Captain Ashiro, for this one second, so give me the strength! And he fires this massive blast, which eclipses everything, blows the humanoid kaiju completely apart. Except no, it doesn't. As the humanoid kaiju summons a wall of corpses of all the yonju that have been that have been slaughtered up to this point. And then they part away in front of it. And he says, judging from that look on your face, I take it you're flat out of options now. 
and he's torn his way through the wall of corpses and he's got two arms full of bullets ready to go at close range once again. And he shoots Ichikawa full of holes just as Hoshina gets word from their platoon leader that Ichikawa and Furuhashi have lost contact. They can't track anything from them. And then Kafka, of course, who's right next to him, looks behind him and sees that a corpse moved for just a second. Shinomiya appears on the scene and both of them realize that thing is here. And Kafka realizes his friend's in trouble. Yes, uh, what a really cool chapter. Uh, I kind of thought, first and foremost, Reno continues to look like a supremely cool and awesome character. Um, I really did not think, uh, what, Iharu? Iharu. Iharu, yeah. I did not think Iharu was going, like, I kind of thought they, he might be somewhat relevant, but I didn't expect him to immediately be like, fuck it, I'm not running away, I'm going to stay with you, brother. And then, I mean, you find out anyway that it doesn't matter, he couldn't have left anyway if he wanted to. But... Uh, it does make for a pretty cool moment of the two of them working together, and it's such a badass moment when the 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 humanoid kaiju just rips through the corpses, just like, oh, you're out of options now, aren't you? As he has like two guns ready to explode, it's it's a very cool moment. Yeah, and I love the little speech that Ichigawa says, like, I need to be stronger than anyone just for this one moment, please, mm. because he knows that otherwise they're screwed. Yes, and. It's one of those things where it's like, hey, it might have worked if it had actually hit. Uh-huh. But we'll never know. It might have worked until it didn't. Yep. Everyone thinks that they've got a plan until their opponent summons a wall of corpses and blocks <laughs> it. It's the classic mistake. It happens a lot in sports uh, sports movies, all things like that. You think you finally got them. Remember when the, uh, oh, man. the, the, the Oju White Knights finally thought yeah. they had victory and then the David Devilbat summoned that wall of, wall of corpses to stop them? That's what Yukimitsu was actually doing when he pushed him. Yes, he pushed him forward into a wall of corpses and no one ever saw that boy again. He's dead. <laughs> High school football star Seijuro Shin was lost today after his body was devoured under a mound of corpses, which then immediately disappeared. The Demon Devil Bats are on their way to the Christmas. <laughs> yeah, no suspects at this time. <laughs> Hiruma's like, well, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Good job, nerd. <laughs> All right. Let's talk, Nick, about Eden Zero, chapter 118. Have to. <laughs> yes, Star Drain. Um,. I'm not a fan of this, Nick. I would much prefer a weirdly perverted fucking cover page of, I don't know, fucking Hermit than Moskoy being given enough character presence to get his own solo title page. That does not, like, I don't know what market research team was like, Moskoy's testing really high. You need to really start bumping him up in your your, your series. Give him a meteor roll, but... Fuck, man. It's everywhere. All right. Uh, so last time, Shiki had his big fight with Orc, the climactic yep. showdown. Yep. Uh, and it looks like, I mean, we don't know for certain, it looks like Shiki managed to win by by going into overdrive. And Orc's just like, oh, wow, I can't believe there's another one. But you'll never beat the great Shura because he's a gravity user more powerful than you. Maybe even more powerful than Ziggy. And then he says the line, gravity attracts gravity. And it's such a stupid idea that uh, I guess there's a bunch of gravity users in this universe. 
Like, it's not that uncommon of a fucking ether gear. And they're slowly going to, to basically pull together over that. So there you go. It's kind of like how stands and Jojo there's there's gravity there too. gravity kind of pulls them together, uh, except here it's stupid and not good and not, not interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, he basically is like you, Ziggy, Shura, you're destined to find each other. Yes, uh, Shiki and uh, Ziggy and this uh, other character who's uh, so important. Uh-huh. We've known we know so much about them from the lore, uh, the backstory, the yes. flashbacks, uh-huh. uh, the constant references that there have been to him uh-huh. in the past 117 chapters up to this point. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. Uh, always been wondering how Shiki would match up against Shura, a character that has uh, been foreshadowed for so long up to this point. I'm just waiting for the point where they go and find some relic of mother and she's like, you must find the nine gravity users and pull them to like, it's, there's going to be some shit like that. I feel like it's going to be some dragon slayer bullshit where they're going to be like, they're all important or some horseshit. And you all were my 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 foster children a long time ago, but you forgot. And then I sent you forward in time. And you were all the same age. Uh, except you weren't. One of you was a robot. And Rebecca was there too, but it was actually her mom. But it wasn't her mom. It was like her great 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 uh, it was her ancestor i guess <laughs> but she used her cat powers to leap back into her ancestor's mind so she knows all of you and Hamura so was there no! <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway so we cut back to the eden zero uh so shiki you're the villain's brother <laughs> So there was a, a twist, not to talk about Mission Yozakura family. There was a twist in Mission Yozakura family, not twist, a little detail in Mission Yozakura family this week where the main character was like, I remember watching my brother die in that car accident. And I was like, I, I was telling people, I was like, I don't like, there's not a chance. It's a hundred percent chance in my mind that brother is still alive and becomes a villain later on. Everyone's like, no, he can't die. He said he was dead. I was like, I feel like it's like the that moment you mentioned this Shonen series is like, this will be a villain. That, that- yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, if the moment they named him, I was like, shit, that kid's coming back. He's going to be evil as shit when time comes around. <laughs> Uh, so back on the Eden Zero, uh, Weiss is there, Food Girl's there, she immediately shouts how she's gonna borrow some clothes and food, ha 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 ha, uh, Hermit basically gives the lowdown, like, hey, we need you to do this, because if we don't solve this virus, it's gonna affect all the robots, not just us on the Shining Stars, but also Happy and Pino too, we have to find a way to stop it, and you're the only one that can, there's this big satellite that's gonna spread the virus, and that's where it's coming from, and they're like, we can't blow it up with a laser beam. We actually have to physically get there and and modify it, basically. Uh, they don't specifically mention why it has to be wise, but I presume it's because he has to be the one to modify it and then Hermit has to reprogram it. But Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly how wise... Or he has to physically fly up to it and it's easier to do it in an arsenal suit than as a big spaceship. I don't know. 
I get the feeling that his ether gear is going to play a role in this, but I do. I would think that this is a programming thing mm-hmm. and not an engineering thing. Yeah, because it's a virus that's affecting the androids. So they should honestly just be able to use the same hardware to send the. But Nick, have you considered but... that gravity is nearby, pulling the virus ever closer to the robots? Because that's how gravity works. <laughs> You know this series could use gravity, just the word gravity to justify fucking anything it wants right now. Why else would a food reviewer be on a food planet, Nick? Gravity. I'm only laughing because you're 100% correct. (laughs) I have nothing to say in response to it. Like you said that, and as soon as you said it, I'm like, fuck, he's right. <laughs> it's just whatever you need at this point. Um, so we cut back to Forrester, where Elsie's there. I don't remember why. She's there with her other characters who uh, we were introduced to them, but they're not relevant, or I don't care about them, I guess, rather, so I don't remember their names. They're attacked by robots, and then Elsie, who is not Urza, does a very different kind of magic than Urza, where she pulls Ether from the planet and changes costume. She uses the Star Drain. Well, go go ahead. No, no, you, no, you no. You, you, you okay. finish this scene because I'm gonna just do all my comments. About okay. At the end so of it, she so. she she activates it. She gets a new outfit. She has drained the mana or the ether of Foresta, and it gives her a new outfit, and new powers, and she she summons a whole bunch of like laser blasts from the ground and blows everyone up. Uh, a couple of her weird cohorts are really excited because she does like the whole naked transformation scene. Um. But, you know, they're the gross perverts, Nick, not the series or us who are watching it. Uh, and then the Oration 6 Galact- no, Interstellar. Uh, sorry, Galactica. That'd be stupid. That's that's uh, the other group. Uh, the one dude from it's there who's like, I have to arrest Elsie. Yeah. That's it, basically. <laughs> I'm here, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, before we move on, because this is the last couple pages are like setting up the fights that we already know uh-huh. we were going to get anyway. But um, so this whole thing with Elsie. Yes. Uh, I'm going to start off with the positives. I actually like this twist on definitely Urza's power set of switching clothing to get powers and stuff. The idea that her power changes with the planet that she's on. It's, it's, it's actually kind of a cool gimmick, I yeah. think. It's not it's not as arbitrary as the previous version where it was kind of just like armors would appear. This one's Whatever. specifically attached to the location she's in. Yeah. Um the transformation she goes through yes, she gets naked. But I was willing to give it the whole all right, it's like a magical girl transformation sequence. I I I can do that. And then her crew reacts to it and it starts off with you know, so much of her crew being like, yeah, go kick their ass, Elsie. And then her like left and right hand guys are kind of like flustered yeah. because she gets she gets naked, you know, and then she starts kicking ass. And then one of the guys goes, I love her naked transformation. And is like, shut up. And it's like that would have been so much funnier if just like everyone in the crew was just like, yeah, Elsie. And then just just the two guys are just like. Yep, she got naked. Just oh, there. Yeah, if that was the only acknowledgement that she gets naked, that would have been so much funnier. 
because like everyone's just like, yeah, what are you talking about? She's awesome. She's like, Jim, but she, she got naked in front of you guys. Huh? <laughs> so, you know, I, it's so weird to see like that joke and then see it get ruined immediately because one guy's like, I love when she gets naked. Fuck you. I hate you. You can't even see. You've got a band. You've got a bandana around your eyes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I was gonna call him stupid hat guy, but I don't know what part of that is a hat. Basically, that's a good point. <laughs> I think that's hair, but I don't know what is or what isn't at this point. Oh, I think we may have lost Nick there for a moment. He's frozen <laughs> on mine. Yep. All right, so we lost Nick for the moment. Uh, we'll just continue on. So after all that. We found, uh, we find Rebecca. No, is it Rebecca? Yeah, okay. I mix up the name of the, the fucking hero girls too often. Rebecca, and she looks, she looks really hurt. And Happy and Pina are down because Gas Girl has, has short-circuited them. Uh, so, you know, it's dangerous times for everybody. Um, hold on one sec here. I gotta, I'm just gonna... Because I think it's going to knock out Nick for a moment. So we'll bring him back in just a quick second. Uh, so she's, you know, like, okay, I short-circuited them. Oh, and I've I've analyzed your ether gear because I, I, you know, I basically have a scanner in my glasses. And your numbers are low. But, you know, I sense an unusual power. And then, like, Rebecca shoots her fucking shoes into the air. I don't really know. I guess this is supposed to be, like, her kicking them off. Uh, but they fly straight upwards into the air really high so she can, like, land feet on the ground. She's like, my ether gear is speed. So, you know, she's going to do her cool speed thing. Yeah. Uh, then the glue guy is fighting Hermora. And she's really hurt. And glue guy just starts going on. Basically, he just does the hero villain thing where he's just like, ha ha ha, friends would be stupid. Why would you even have them? Your friends suck. You're dumb and you're going to die. I'm evil. And Hamora stands up. She's like, I can endure the pain and the heat, but I cannot bear such insults to my friends. So you know what? She's still, she's still in the fight, you know? And then we cut over to the planet Nero 73, which is kind of interesting. It implies that um, maybe there are multiple Neros, or maybe it is just, it could just be a designation, but, you know, it's an interesting name. And uh, it's a very fancy place. We see uh, wine glasses and a wine bottle and a guy who's being fawned over by two, uh, yeah, basically bikini ladies. That's, 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 that's a nice way to phrase it. Uh, and there's a girl in front of them who's who's trembling, and she's very sorry. Uh, she says, I could not make it to the phone last night, so when you called me, I, uh, uh, and uh, Shara is just like, huh? Oh, how long have you been working here? And one of the girls is just like, oh, she's only been here a week. Don't, don't, don't pick on her too much. And he's like, what, you feel sorry for her? And uh, then they start floating in the air with gravity, and they're just like, oh, Teehee, stop that. Don't do that. And then they're like, uh, wait, no, hold on. We're going really fast to the ceiling. And you just hear a giant crunch sound effect as the uh, the one girl is forced to look on as Shura says, don't get any funny ideas. Women are a glee a dozen and everything in this cosmos belongs to me. As we're introduced to Nero's son, 
Poseidon Shura. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, which kind of has a interesting introduction in that he basically just murdered those two women, which in and of itself isn't particularly interesting because that's not a particularly novel thing, nor is violence towards women innately a, a, a more revolting prospect. You know, if the only end result is to be like, this guy is bad. Uh, but I do like the visual of blood dripping from the ceiling and kind of dri- like you can actually almost looks like it's draining down the screen of the page almost. So I do like that visual element a lot. I think that's a pretty cool way, uh, especially if this is a guy who uses gravity powers in a particularly insidious and shitty way like that. Um I guess he must have really increased the gravity for them to have exploded that much. Or maybe the room had a much higher ceiling than first expected. I suppose both possibilities really could have played a a big part in it. But overall, I actually think this is a decent introduction to this character. If not for the, the notion of like, oh, well, he just murders women because he can. Because I don't know. It's just one of those things. All right, one sec here. So that's Eden Zero. Nick is still waiting for his power to come back, uh, or his internet, rather. So what we're going to do in the meantime, we're going to jump into Chainsaw Man. Uh, Chapter 92, Zombie Blood Chainsaw. Uh, And, oh, wait, hold on, Chainsaw. There we go, got everything. Um, So... (laughs) I'm going to have to remember everything in this chapter because I wasn't expecting to recap it. But here we go. It's almost going to be like a live read. So we open with uh, closing through like a bunch of like kind of city back alleyways, underground parts until we finally get to a door. Door kind of looks like it's in a similar area to those doors from like the whole dingy don't open it moment. But I don't know if that's meant to be intentional. Uh, And basically it's Kobeni. Oh, God, what's her name? No, Kobeni... Oh, God, I'm forgetting all these characters' names. Denji, Kobeni is one of these characters. And then, oh, God, who's the old guy? Nah, I'm forgetting everybody's names. Old dude. Unless Kobeni is the old dude. Kishibe, that's it. Uh, so, yeah, we have Kishibe, Kobeni, and Denji. And uh, Kishibe is just like, okay, it's safe to talk here. We won't be tracked for a while. And here's some food. Eat while you have the chance, basically. Uh, Kobeni's just like, uh, I saw things I shouldn't have. Does this mean she's gonna try to kill me? <laughs> Kishibe's just like, yep. And she's like, I can't phone my family, can I? He's like, nope. She's like, for the rest of my life? He's like, yep, probably. And, you know, Kobeni immediately kind of slides to the ground. And Denji looks to her and she's just like, thank goodness. And Denji's like, huh? And she says, I finally have an excuse to get away from them. She's like, what do you mean, from who? She says, my dad and my mom. And then she kind of buries her head in her arms. And Denji just sits on the ground and joins her. There's nothing else said there. There's, like, no real added context. It's just an implication that Kobeni, on top of everything else, has a shitty family life. And, um, you know what? 
Denji, Denji at least joins her in it for a moment. So it's a nice little moment there between the two of them. Uh, Kishibe's like, hey, you know what? Once you eat, get some sleep. We got a, we got an early start tomorrow. And there's just a moment where Denji looks over and Kobeni is just shaking. And she says, I always get the short end of the stick. I'm so going to die. I'm so, I'm so scared of dying. It must be nice to be you. Ch- ch- you can you can come back to life. Like she is terrified. She's crying. She's got like the snot coming out of her nose. And then she's just like, you know, I look fine. But right now my heart feels like it's at the bottom of a toilet clogged with crap, which is a very apt way of describing things. Uh, she says, he says all the good things, all the, all the good feelings, all the bad feelings I had up to now, they were all manufactured by somebody else. And I was dumb as a rock. So I was cool with living as the fool. But next thing I knew it, my ignorance made it go all to go down the crapper. Thinking back on it, I never made any choices for myself. I just got used, always did as I was told. Instead of thinking for myself, the only real choices I made were for little things like what to eat for lunch. And he opens up like a, a, uh, one of those like buns takes a bite and then stops. He's like, even if I make it out of this alive, I bet I'll always be living in obedience to somebody like a dog. Okay, man, he's just like, isn't that just normal though? You know, there's no such thing as a life free of bad things, except in your dreams. Denji's just staring at her. Just a two page spread of the two of them as Denji just looks on and he's like, huh? Oh, but. I wanted to be normal, and and I believe it's uh, Kishibe who just says, you want to be normal, Denji? And we see a cut to a television as just says, Chainsaw Man, there's not a soul who doesn't know his name. With a chainsaw on his head, he cuts down one devil after the other. He never reveals his identity, and he never asks for anything in return. Are you with me, viewers? This isn't a hero of a manga we're talking about. Ha ha, no, it's not. Or is it, wink? I'm talking about the man who always gets back up no matter how many times he goes down. Chainsaw Man! Uh, and just see Denji kind of reacting to seeing himself on TV in his full devil form. Well, not his full devil form, but that's like his hybrid form. Uh, and him just being like, that's me. And all the people are screaming, Chainsaw Man! Yeah, Chainsaw Man! Chainsaw Man! Woo! Uh, okay. And uh, Denji just ends the chapter as he kind of stares off at the TV, basically. So we're going to try to get Nick back here. We might have to use his phone audio, it sounds like, though. Hello? Hello? All right. So. All right. Hey, it's Nick. So uh, I'm going to uh, apologize. Uh, I'm having to do this over my phone right now. But uh, although the power at my apartment was only out for uh, like half a second, uh, I have completely lost my Internet. Mm. So uh, I'm sure that there is something going on that is probably going to have to be fixed. But it's been out this long. I'm not going to count on it coming back before the end of the night. So, yay, here we go. There we go. Well, I just wrapped up Chainsaw Man. Did you have any thoughts on this week's chapter? Uh, it was sad and yeah. introspective. It was a real bummer uh, because, okay, I'm going to see here. Can you still hear me? Yep. Okay, good. So I can actually 
All right, I can actually use the Shoninja app on my phone to look at stuff then while we're going through stuff. But I'm probably, I'm, I think I'm going to have to take, ask you to take the lead from this point forward. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was uh, one of those kind of things where it's like, Chainsaw Man kind of tends to be introspective on those moments of things where like, something is kind of would be obvious if the persons involved were normal people. But because they're not, they're strained, weird, broken people who are half crazy at the very least. Uh, they're these big revelations that they have to have instead. And uh, it can be effective at times. So, Yes. I think it was a very good chapter. And uh, it this kind of seals the idea that we might be in for a longer story of Chainsaw Man than what it seemed like three weeks ago or so. When I, we were rushing headlong towards a conclusion of some sort yeah yeah all right so uh next up would be magu chan god of destruction uh chapter 19 a day in the life of the frenzied troops uh so nick i will be happy to take the lead i have no idea really what happens in this chapter i remember it involves the hermit crabs a lot um and it's basically uh uh, it ends up kind of being like a chain uh, of giving thing, but only at the very end. Yeah. So I remember that uh, there's like a shark and then Oneris's pigeon is involved and then they get a sword from Magu and then they give that to Crusader kid. So I'll sum this up as best I can. So it starts off that N- Naputaku um, is trying to get more practice cooking in the restaurant but Rin stops him because that basically means that he's stealing ingredients from the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's not allowed to do that. She ties him up. And so the hermit crabs decide that they're going to go and get stuff so that Nabutika will be able to practice cooking the way that he wants to. And they end up meeting up with the greatest of all of his servants, the shark, whom he's terrified of. And I, the part of this that I really like is that uh, after the shark gives them uh, a fish, a Sorry, a soury, a soury, a say, a celery. I'm going to pronounce that all those different ways so that I can <laughs> I can't be wrong. You got one, one of them ways. right. Yeah, uh, he waves the, to them goodbye with his flipper, which is bizarrely adorable to see. Uh, and then yeah, Unaris's pigeon, whom it turns out is a dedicated uh, ally of the Holy Knights, uh, steals the fish from them uh, because fu- fuck you guys. And then they meet up with Magu, who's walking BS, and he starts to shoot the pigeon out of the sky, but it turns out, no, they don't want to do that because they'll destroy the fish. So instead, they use his tentacles as slingshots to launch themselves at the at the uh, pigeon, and it works. And uh, then he's like, I am taking the fish's payments, <laughs> really defeating the purpose of him helping them. And uh, when they try and take the fish back, they instead pull the sword out of him. And then you're like, well, to make up for it, uh, I can take this sword uh, and then I'll give you this in exchange. And she gives them a lure and the hermit crabs don't know what it is. And they don't have Homer's brain there to tell them that a lure can be used to uh, acquire many fish. So they trade that away to Ruru, who gives them a portable stove, which Naputuku is happy with because it means that he can cook any time. And then Ruru is an even better fisher because 
the lure is in fact magical and will catch fish, I guess, every time it works. So, you know, I just realized that Putaku has an eye in the back of his mouth. He does? Yeah. Every time he like has his mouth open, you could see an eye in the back of his throat. Yeah. Oh yeah, he does. Huh? And it, it, it's all teary when he opens his mouth wide uh, at the end. You're right. Yeah, we learned something huh. new today. Uh, okay. How did you like the chapter, Nick? It was okay, um, but it wasn't. I, I mean, it wasn't my favorite. Um, Magu's kind of just been kind of there for a lot of the past few weeks. It's really weird. The series started going downhill after BS came in. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was right. Um, but so I guess this is a good point, especially because this is kind of the section of the podcast where we're talking specifically about new series. Um, because we've gotten word that uh, there's going to be some new manga uh, appearing in Jump mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. And in fact, just the next couple of weeks, it's going to be kind of unusual and that apparently only two new manga are going to be showing up in the magazine uh, in this cycle. Yes. And uh, one of them's by uh, the manga of Toriko. The other is by a, a lesser known author, um, which means presumably that there's going to be two series that are ending and only two series. But yes. not, obviously, we don't know that. We know the 100%. That's probably going to be the case. And we've also gotten some information about how Magu has been doing in terms of sales. Because uh, the first volume came out a couple weeks ago. And it's been doing pretty well. Yes. Uh, both it and me and Robico are doing decently well. Uh, they're both doing better than Harbo, Cop, and Dolphin, which is great. I <laughs> 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 that series. Uh, and they both, uh, both of them uh, have, uh, have had reprints ordered from them which is yes. always a good sign. So presumably all that information taken together means that probably neither of those two are going to be canceled in this cycle. We're probably going to get more of both of them. Um, so I guess we're probably going to need to reassess when and where and how we're going to handle Magu. And I don't know, maybe we won't, maybe it won't be like an every week kind of thing, but it's something to think. It's something to think about, and we'll have to figure out at a certain point uh, once we get uh, past this uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, maybe maybe we can have some discussions about something and where to what to do with it and other stuff. But yeah, I mean, it. it I guess the big takeaway would be if you like Magu Chan, then you should be in good spirits because it it seems very unlikely it'll be going anywhere at least in the immediate future. You never know, um, but. At, as of the moment, it seems as though it, it's not going to be going anywhere. Yeah. It's never 100% until, you know, you see, like, the you go past the two weeks and there's no end of chapter at the end because there seems to be actually very little warning that we get about these kind of things. There's, like, yeah. the, the announcement that appears in the magazine, that's it. So Yeah, at this point, we're probably just relying on whatever that manga plus gimmick was where if it doesn't have an ID three weeks into the future or whatever, then that's where our signs are. So as of the moment, I guess we haven't heard anything about anything ending. So we'll, we'll be following that and give you guys an update as we know it. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to talk about a series that I believe is ending very soon, which is, of course, We Never Learned, question 181, 
pizza bet equals the queen of thin ice part four and we get a big halloween color spread in like early november that's when simpsons do their trias of horror so i guess it still works <laughs> um we are on a field trip it's a big field trip episode uh Kirisu and Uega are there. They're boring the students with a, a big explanation. So, you know, they're like, well, we have to teach them. And of course, we're the teachers, so we need to set a prime example for our students, Uega, and, and comport ourselves great. Oh my God, look at this cool cow. It's the famous cow that's supposed to bring great fortune. Let's have all of our students pet it. It's our duty. And Kirisu's basically just a big, like, overzealous nerd in that moment. Uh, and she eventually is like, oops, I appear to have lost myself there. And Jake is like, ah, I guess this is what makes you a good history teacher. You actually seem to like history. She's like, uh, I guess. Actually, it's just that I didn't get to go on a school trip when I was in high school. And I was like, okay, it's a little bit adorable. Um, eventually, Kirisu asks, like, hey, Yuigo, why did you become a world history teacher? And Yuiga doesn't get time to answer because the girl from two chapters ago shows up and she's like, oh, hey, the two of you take a picture of us. Uh, take a picture with us, rather. But Kirsty's like, I'll just take the picture. Yuiga get the picture. And she's like, and he's like, why does she want to be in the photo? We cut over to the hotel. We get an alert that like 1030 is lights out. Uh, Kirisu sees two of the girls kind of walking around after the evening. And it appears from the speech bubble that just has three figures in it and a male symbol in it i assume they're talking about boys that would seem to make sense probably yeah uh so she confiscates everything they have and uh takes it away and then she goes back to the female teacher's room and she's like oh they were trying to sneak into the boys room at night so improper and the other female teachers are like oh hey you want a drink because <laughs> we yeah. all just want to relax Kirisu's like, oh no, they stink of sake. And I guess just catches a smell of it. And she's been it's it has been as this yeah. is like the first Kirisu chapter in the Kirisu arc where it's actually building on Kirisu's traits instead of another girl's. Yeah. Which is that she is incredibly sensitive to alcohol. And I think that she has actually gotten drunk off the fumes in a previous chapter. Yeah. So. I assume I just meant I assume because there's just a, a sound effect that says waft. So I assume that's what it's supposed to be. Is she, she smells sake and immediately gets drunk off the fume of it. So she's like, huh, how could people be like, the, oh, no, I'm fun. We don't see what happens. Yuega just goes back to the male teacher room. And when he comes in, there's Kirsu's butt, Nick. She's, of course, yep. wearing her sexy tissue paper pants that shows <laughs> off every outline of her body in every crevice and detail. And Yuega uh, is just like, why are you in the male teacher's room? And she's like, uh, yeah cute basically what a good boy and Uega has to basically very quickly hide her because the other male teachers come in so they do the whole uh i'm gonna hide you in a location that's incredibly close to me and if you get discovered there's basically a social faux pas that'll happen that could potentially be disastrous for your career or social standing so i'm going to awkwardly be in a very close position to you and then probably have to say something about you because the other people don't realize you're in the immediate proximity. It's a gag that we never learn goes to a lot. It it went to it in the past two girls arcs, at least. I don't remember if they did it in the Ogata arc at all, but I know they did it with Famino and Ashumi. So 
you know, they do it here. They eventually start talking about like which teachers they think are hot. Eventually they're like, Oh, Hey, you, we who do you like? And he's like, Oh, I like Kirisu sensei. Cause you know, she's always been a role model to me. And they're like, Oh man, we're talking about what girls you like. Come on, stupid. Then they want to have a pillow fight. Yeah. And they're like, okay, I guess, <laughs> I guess grown men still do that from time to time. Uh, and immediately you know it it keeps you young it it helps you uh deal with it helps to deal with students if you're acting like you're a teenager yourself right yeah yeah that's right uh oh wait this people are saying that they did do it in the yogata arc as well so there we go i i don't think it happened in the aruka arc then so there wasn't time for it yeah there was the closest thing that that happened was when uh fumino was gonna mac on yuika while he was asleep yeah Uh, the other female teachers come in and they're like, hey, uh, we don't want to bother you, but Kirisu hasn't come back from patrolling the halls. Have you seen her? And all the guys are like, a late night code adventure. We'll find her. And they run off. So there you go. Yuiga and Kirisu are safe. And eventually Kirisu's just like, so, hey, by the way, in there, what, you know, saying comments like that could be very you know they're misleading and they could be taken off the mark and taken the wrong way so don't and you wake her up there just says no it wasn't misleading and i don't think it was off the mark she's like i don't get what you mean he's like what i'm saying is i like you and that's where the chapter ends yep yep so um i don't really have anything to say about the plot developments in this chapter uh, so I will uh, instead review this uh, as uh, my Kirisu fan uh, mm-hmm. perspective. Uh, you know, not as good as the previous one, not as many sexy outfits, but props for that cover page where you get to see her butt from below. Nice. Yes. Nice. Perfect. So uh, six out of ten. Yeah, you do. You do get quite a butt shot, too, you know, so. Yeah, but that's like that's like, you know, the baseline for Kirisu. You're going to see. You're going to see that butt through no matter what kind. She could wear a parka and it would conform to her butt and you would be able to see her panty lines through it. Yeah. Yeah. That really is just how it be. Uh, All right, Nick, let's talk then about Dr. Stone. Time to get Stone. Z equals 173. Earth race. Uh, And we got a cover page of... uh, Ryusui and Senku and then Kwaku and uh, Luna. There we go. I got all the characters' names. That's mostly why I brought it up so I could challenge myself to remember them. Riding down a mountain on motorcycles. It's a very cool little visual. Um, So last time we met Dr. Chelsea and basically they're trying to explain things to her. Yeah. So they basically do the recap, which is fine. It's an explanation to as to why the characters would recap the audience. As we've mentioned before, Itagaki did this a lot in Ice Shield 21 as well, where he had to kind of explain the rules of football over and over again, because he's like, I don't think you guys actually get it. So <laughs> uh, basically like, hey, there's somebody on the moon. They're the person who petrified humanity. We have to get to this moon. And to do that, we're on a worldwide adventure to gather resources. And our next stop is South America, which we believe is the source of the original beam. And Chelsea's like, wow, so, so, so hype. It's totes freaky. You guys can think outside the box. And I hate Chelsea immediately. I hate her too. Nick, I don't think Dr. Stone is a slasher series. 
But if it was, if it could, if it, was. If it could kill Chelsea, if her head would just show up in a box somewhere and then never, no other character die. Well, you can kill Mitsukage too. If you could kill the two of those characters and then stop or whatever his name is. Ma- Machi Matsukaze. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Who do you think would be the survivor? Like if you had to choose, I think it's usually like two people survive mm-hmm. the slasher film at most. Like that's kind of like the average you yes. would go with to survive. What two do you think it would and should be? Hmm. Would and should be. Well, the final girl is a big trope. So I think yes. the only female character, it would be between Yuzuriha. Actually, no. It would be Suika. You can't kill kids in those movies. You can't kill Suika. Yeah, Suika would be fine. If, but, okay, let's let's remove Suika from the Yeah, end. I was going to say, we might need to remove her. I, if, it's, if we're going with teenage victims, then it can't... Suika's just a given to survive. Yes. Because, you know, she'll 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 roll away before anything starts. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the first person to die is Kaseki. The old people never survive those movies. Oh. He's gone. It's, it's, okay, it's okay. just a natural... So uh, the final girl is going to be between Yuzuria and Kohaku. They're the only two characters that are like female characters that have that level of importance to them. And my mind says it would be Yuzuriha. So like Kohaku gets like a big like confrontation with the killer. She might. And they have a cool fight scene, but she ends up dying. At the yeah, end she, she, like, she, she, she like buys her friends time to get away or something. Yeah, she might have one of those moments where she just makes a fucking stand and thinks she actually manages to hurt the villain. Then it turns out they just had like a like a knife bazooka or something like that. And it was <laughs> it was really dangerous. And you're like, oh, OK, um, yeah, I, I would say Yuzuria is one. And ideally, you would want to say Taiju would survive with her, but I feel like that's rarely the case. There's always a tragedy, so sadly, Taiju has to die, too. Um, but I think Chrome. Chrome's, like, perfect, like, B-cast side character that can survive one of those series, you know? Carry, and carries on, like, the legacy of uh, of some of the of the will and trusted other yeah. people. Like, Seth, so- Seth Green survived Scream 1, right? And then they killed him in the sequel, didn't they? I don't think that was Seth Green, Chris. Is it not? I don't think so. I, it, If it's not Seth Green, it looked a lot like him. Is it Seth Green? Hang on. Scream cast. I'm going to go say it's Jamie Kennedy. Jamie Kennedy. Oh, okay. Whatever. They're fucking the 90s or whatever, early 2000s. So whatever. I think he died in the second one, right? Yes. So that Chrome to me feels like that character who lives through the first one, then they kill them in the second one. Okay, I think that's a good answer. I I, I was gonna I was gonna suggest Chrome myself. Chrome myself. Uh, so yeah. There we go. All right, guys, send in your questions for okay. our next Q and A, where you ask us every cast who survives in the series. I was gonna say the same thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, so basically, there's a small discussion that happens. Uh, where eventually they reach all these like details and Chelsea's like, Hey, you're a bad dude, you know? And he's just like, yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but Hey, you're, you're a, a very elegant geographer. So why don't you join me and take you charge in this world? And she's just like, nah, these guys are way more funsies. So I'm going to stay with them. So we get a little small message of like, Chelsea has joined the party and it's like, <laughs> 
What if instead? Imagine how much better this chapter would have been, Chris, if instead of that it had said Chelsea has fallen overboard, and that was just the end of her. Like, Fuck that! Oh, so satisfying. <laughs> you know, um, Nick, I'm going to make a controversial statement right now. The way I feel about Doctor Chelsea right now is the way I felt about Rose Tico at the end of the Last Jedi, where I'm eventually just reached that point where I'm like, look. It's not that you're a bad character. It's this that you're very unnecessary to the story at this point, And I barely get to see the characters I like as it is. And she's like, it's one of those things where it's like she's all over the chapter in order to get you used to her quirks. So yeah. like the entire time that they're on the boat, basically, except for when things get serious at the very, very end, she's like butting in on some of the other stuff. So like Senku and Zeno are talking about stuff and she's making kissy faces at them mm-hmm. while go, talking about how in sync they are. And it's like, God, go away. You're so annoying. I, stop it. Stop it. Please stop. <laughs> uh, so Senku basically says the next resource they have to locate is rubber. Dr. Zeno gives a whole explanation about like, yeah, it's the one thing like it was one of the things that our American team could never obtain. And you really don't have a substitute to rubber like you kind of need rubber itself it's a very unique item so senku and Zeno start kind of going off on all the different things they can tell you know make if they had rubber and eventually they're like the crown jewel would be tires you know and tires like rubber tires would just be basically infinitely better than the bamboo wheels that you guys are kind of using now or the glass skis um Chelsea does a stupid thing where she's like, I'll be happy to be your guide. And Krobe's like, a rival explorer has emerged. And I think it's Kwaku who says, it's not a competition. And I want to tell her, yes, it is. Chrome, kill her. She's a frigid upon your territory. You have to fight for your screen time now, my boy. There's only so much room in this series. Yes. Uh, but then Dr. Zeno kind of just brings up, yeah, but it's not really as much of an issue of finding rubber as it is finding rubber in the process of this giant race against Stanley, because the simple fact of the matter is trying to collect rubber while also keeping up with fuel needs. is just not going to be feasible. And as they say that Ukiyo's like, Oh no, I think it's actually much worse than that. Our time is already up and we cut over to the Perseus and they realize that Perseus has used that ship's radar to lock onto their positions. And we're introduced to, I believe, a new character. Um, I don't know if this character is named at any point, um, but it is actually a pretty cool looking character who has like a bullseye on his head, like, and it like painted on his fa- face. I think that's like his stone marking, which is kind of cool. And he's looking at the radar and he just throws a dart that hits the location. He's like, there, that's the enemy in Dr. Zeno's location. Uh, and they're like, well, it's cool. We, we managed to do it. Basically, we found them. So the bullseye guys just like they're up against a warship with an abundance of oil. Given the speed difference, we'll have them cornered by nightfall. And that seems to be the danger. Like, oh, no, they're going to have us already. We can't really stop the radar. So... We're done. And then the guy just like gets on the radar and he's like, oh, it looks like they've dropped anchor. So, you know, now they're really done. Uh, There's a small moment where Chelsea starts talking about like, you know, when I was so desperate for someone to find me, I spent a whole year making these big kites. uh, But now it's time to hide instead. Huh? What a cruel joke. And everyone's like, oh, shit, right. You're fucking kites. 
Uh, and they're like, oh, we're about to catch up with them now, right, Bullseye? And he's like, oh, no, so fast, impossible. And it turns out they've used all of Chelsea's kites to make a giant parachute that is pulling them forward uh, like a Formula One car at sea, Ryusuke says. And they're like, holy crap, how is this working? And it's basically like, well, this wouldn't really work if we didn't have such a great sailor like Ryusuke and Taiju and a power team that's keeping it going. But like, yeah, we're able to basically take advantage of the fact that our ship is smaller to catch more wind to move faster. So this is the one situation where being smaller is actually advantageous. So the chapter ends with Thinker saying, yep, now we're on our way to the resource that'll let our let us cheat our way across land, those rubber tires. Yep. 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 I hate Chelsea. I hate her. Just can't stand her. I, it's, she's, I don't know, like, it, it just, it just doesn't work for me. And she is a very unignorable, in-your-face character. Uh-huh. So if you don't like her, she's going to be annoying. And I don't like her. Um, sorry. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, you know, as a, like, there have been characters that have been introduced lately in Dr. Stone that we haven't been very high on. Um, like we keep on kind of harping on Matsukaze, but Matsukaze is, you know, annoying in a different way, which is just that he's kind of bland and unremarkable. So he's kind of easy to ignore as a result. And that's, you know, a a big fault of the character. Whereas Dr. Chelsea is on the other end of the spectrum where she's that, you know, she's that she's like Slimer in, in the Ghostbusters cartoon. Uh, so it's like if if they're if they're around too much, you better like them, or otherwise you're gonna be completely sick of them. So yeah, yeah. I hope maybe she'll get more likable as time goes on. Doctor Stone has a pretty good track record of making characters more likable or sympathetic uh, the more that they stick around. But I guess we'll just have to see. And it is worth noting that. Characters have been introduced recently that we do enjoy. Like, I enjoy Luna, and I think you do, too. Like, it's not as though every character that's been new has been bad. It's just that we oftentimes get a lot of them. So sometimes they're not winners. And in a cast as large as Dr. Stone, oftentimes having two or three characters you don't like is kind of frustrating because then those characters are taking up spots where you could see your enjoyed characters, for example. Uh, That might be a little bit easier now that the cast has been kind of like axed in half but you know even that might still not really matter we might still end up seeing a bunch of those characters again eventually so yeah and sometimes you know just negative uh, reactions are just you know easier to latch on to than positive ones so mm-hmm. all right nick let's jump into mash magic and muscles mashal chapter 38 mash burn dead and the magic mirror so last time Mash punched the mystery man in the face, and this time we see the reaction as he simply has no reaction. There is a small kind of almost shield around his face uh, that is shattering and crackling off as Mash is like, oh. And we find out this character's name later in the chapter, and I'm yep. just going to bring it up now. This character's name is Selwar. Because of course it is. So Sel. <laughs> Fuck, man. Mashal's names are the best and worst. Cell <laughs> basically says, you're the first to break through my epidermis. That's what I get for letting my guard down. So what magic do you use? Mash is like, huh? 
so funny. He's like, what do you call your personal magic? Rash is like, uh, uh, power. <laughs> Everyone's like, power? He's like, oh, okay, you refuse to answer me. Well, whatever. And he pulls out a mirror and everyone's like, oh, is, is that the spell reflection mirror? A magical item that reflects every and all spells cast on it. The stronger the spell, the more fearsome the mirror makes it. It's one of the most powerful and feared magical items in the world. I thought the Bureau of Magic was guarding it. So why? He's, Mash, don't. We magic users don't stand a chance against that thing. It'll send your spells right back at you. One mistake and you're as good as dead. And Cell's just like, you had to get in my way. Now you all get to suffer. And then there's just a two-pitch spread of Ash kicking him straight through the mirror. (laughs) You know where it's going. It goes on for for like two or three pages of just like, oh no, Mash will never be able to beat him now. All his spells will be reflected back. And nobody realizes. And then Ash just kicks it. It's so fucking good. And everyone's like, wait, what? Matt? And every character, like, we start with Levin, or yeah, Levin, and she's like, magic. And then we get over to Finn, magic. And then they all start collectively thinking of all the times Mash has used magic, quote unquote magic. And they all come to the realization at the same point, And they're like, wait a minute. None of that was magic. He just did it with his body alone. That would be unbelievable, right? Like, that couldn't. That would be something out of a fantasy story. And even Lord Abel's just like, that sounds like a fantasy story. Sal, however, is not defeated. He, you know, he kind of, like, shakes it off. And he's just like, hmm. He looks down. There's a mark on the back of his hand. He says, that mark appeared when the kid touched me, did it? That explains the headache. It's him. He starts licking his lips. And suddenly... The sky shatters, and these crawling fingers and hands and what maybe is hair starts, like, reaching out of the shattered sky. And Cell just says, my name is Cell War. Today was Uh, (laughs) surprising. Yeah, basically, it says, today was surprisingly productive. I have to go now, but we'll be seeing each other again soon. Bye-bye. And I like Vash is like, well, good on you for going home. Could have done it sooner, though. <laughs> doesn't care. Yeah. It, it means nothing that he watched these two hands explode from reality to carry him away. He's just I like, mean, good. I'm glad you're gone. There's a little bit of bleach in the imagery of what happens here because, you know, this void opens up and this monstrous creature uh, carries him to safety like uh after Eisen was revealed and then Eisen does the thing where he shatters his glasses and then swipes his hand through his hair and suddenly it's a perfectly it's a completely different hairstyle and it's supposed to be like uh you know everyone's like oh we'll meet him again on the battlefield someday and it's gonna be really bad but instead I'm actually just like yeah I mean you know, I, I wish you hadn't stuck around this long <laughs> he's like all right good now that's done <laughs> the weight of what he's saying so immediately Mash is like, okay, now to go get the mask guy to the infirmary. And Abel immediately is like, there's no hurry. Your handkerchief was very useful. He'll be all right for the moment. I'll take Abyss the rest of the way back. And he has like a big, one of his big marionette puppets basically carrying uh, Abyss away. And Lord Abel just says, thank you, Mash. I will return the favor. And Nash is like, I guess we did it. 
And everyone else is like, what do you mean none of that was magic? Wait, this is really bad. If anyone else finds out what you did, like, you're going to get expelled. And Mash is like, uh, I can totally use magic. And he's just shaking. Everyone's like, oh, God, he's fucking falling apart. So everyone's like, look, this must be important to Mash. We've got to protect a secret. And everyone's like, yeah, all right, we're going to do this. We just have to come up with a plan. And it's weird because... Love was there yeah. in the reaction, and she's not there now. Yeah, so, so, yeah, there's a moment where you're like, but Love isn't there. But all the other characters are like, you know, we have to protect his secret. You know, if if they find out what he's actually doing, he could be... And then someone's like, I saw everything! A student who can't use magic in our school? That's an outrage! I'm telling the teachers! <laughs> And it's basically one of the students who was made into a puppet is just like happened to overhear it. And Mash is like, well, I guess it finally happened. And that's how the chapter ends. Yeah, um, there's there's a lot of shaking up the status quo or mm -hmm. signs the status quo could be shaken up uh, going on this week in in Jump. Uh, you know, we've got the OK, Denji's in a new group of people. We've got. Dobby is revealed to be Toya. We've got what happens in the next series, and we've got this. Mash's secret is out. Um, and so what's going to happen from it? So there's a lot of... I mean, this was a really eventful uh, weekend jump for this kind of reason, just in terms of like, oh, well, that's something that I was kind of wondering about, and here it is, yep. and what's going to happen next? So, Nah, I completely agree. This was... Uh, I think this is a really fun chapter. The, the whole fucking little bit about you know this magic mirror it'll verse all your magic and everyone's like oh my god mash you're done for what are we possibly and you as the reader you know mash doesn't have magic so you know it's coming but it's so satisfying for like no he's done for and like this big mocking thing and just this awesome two-page spread of the guy being kicked in the face through the mirror is so funny uh and i i legitimately enjoy the fact that he has the stupidest name possible of cell war because it continues mashes uh great lineage of the dumbest names a 12 year old has ever come up with ah uh, all right let's move on then to ayakashi triangle chapter 20 uh yeah so i've actually got a switch over to manga plus in order to read this now because <laughs> i can't read it on the show <laughs> too hot for the app uh yeah this is shiragane's thoughts and uh this one i'm also going to be a little rough on because i did read it but i don't remember a lot of the details of it uh shiragane used the unsealing scroll uh and and rescued suzu so you know there's a moment where they're all like oh the, the seal's been undone but but Matsuri, you know, everything that glued our relationship together, it's it's gone. And Suzu, it's like, yeah, there's it's more important things. He might just be dead right now. So, um, oh, God, what's the villain's name? Sosuke. Sosuke. So Sosuke is just like taking what's mine. That's not nice. With They also tend to just call him Genio because that's his species. Uh, he's a uh, he's called he's the Genio. Gotcha. So basically, he's just like, you know, with Matsuri dead, uh, her Haku transformed into something supremely delicious. You know, this is the moment I want, so give her back to me. And uh, Shiragani's just like, that's, what that's what's dangerous, his engulfing shadow ability. He summons a mouth that devours Haku within its vicinity. 
And uh, we see uh, Shilsky like, I don't think I like your taste very much. So we see Shiragani is like, ah, I got to get out of here. You know, I got to kind of dodge around this guy. And they basically have like a, a small fight. Um, Sosuke is like, you want her as your prey, right? And eventually Shiragani is just like, shut up and shoots fire at him. <laughs> uh, but Sosuke just, just you eats know, it. It's, it's such a like, he's completely right and I have no rebuttal. Shut up, fire. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to bring fire on you now. Uh, so Sosuke uses his, his giant lips basically his astral lips or whatever you would call them to just suck up all the fire. And he's like, you know, it, it doesn't really work because Ayakashi Jutsu uses Haku for its power. And that's just food for me. So, you know, that doesn't really do anything. You've, you've mastered all these moves that just make me stronger, basically. Uh, and there's a moment of, of Shiragani being like, you know, I, I, I have, Maybe something that like direct attacks will work against this guy, but Suzu's right here, so I can't possibly risk her. And sure, uh, Suzu just says, "Hey, just eat me. Like, just eat me. If that's what it takes for you to survive, I'm okay with it." Because the girl has just fucking given up on life, basically. Matsuri is dead, and also we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> basically. <laughs> Uh, that was the only penis on the planet I wanted. You uh, didn't have a penis for the past <laughs> several months, though. You were fine with it then. Yeah, but shut up. I didn't have any thoughts about that. Shut up. Uh, so Shirogane's just like, you idiot. As soon as Matsuri dives, you give up. Fucking loser. Fucking scrub. Fucking trash, noob, trash, bullshit. Uh, so distracted by, by tearing into her that he can see. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Uh, A bunch of attacks are coming at Suzu. Shiragane blocks them, but doing that basically leaves him open. And uh, he he has to kind of throw Suzu to the side and then has like a chunk of him get bitten off. Like it it looks like like a large portion of his face kind of gets chomped down. And uh, while it's happening, he thinks like, you know... I don't like humans. They fear and persecute you, then worship and revere you, only to forget and abandon you. Every time I tell the tell myself I'll never get involved with them again, but then I get close to them, and they turn out not to be so bad. That's why I hate them. And, uh, you know, Sosuke's just like, ah, you've taken up so much damage, but you're still able to keep your shape. You're a tough one. If only you had eaten the medium, you would have enough life energy to regenerate quickly. How pathetic. In the end, you're just another obsolete Ayakashi. And Nick, I said it before, but Shiragane is a good-ass cat. All cats are great-ass cats, really, when you get right down to it. Uh, But this one in particular is good. However, it looks like he's going to be killed. He's going to be eaten and devoured. Except a cat? Yeah. The most evil thing you can do is eat a cat. It really is. It's, It's so insidious. But then a, a, a crane bird or something. I don't know what it's supposed to be. It, I, it, I folded this paper and then I kind of gave up. It's it hard. Poor I, bird. I was making a bird and then I forgot what they looked like and I got nervous. So I just launched it at you. Uh, yeah, we see Suzu has a bunch of these. I think they're supposed to be people. Like little like um, like priest, priest slash priestess kind of looking things. Yeah, it's, and it, it's, it's kind of like a shikigami sort of thing. Yeah, it's 
paper that she's putting her spirit energy into. So yeah, basically reminding us that the uh, the artist guy was like, hey, you should keep folded origami with you, and if you infuse them with Haku, then they could come in handy. And basically, Suzu has become uh, Orihime. She could summon these things, and you know she she hurts Sosuke with it. Because she like hits his arm and he's like, my arm's none. She's she's using them like to block and hurt me, but she's not using them to attack me. She's too nice. And Suzu runs over to Shirogane, who's like, you should have fucking run. I don't know why you're here. And she's like, no, I can heal injuries. And he's like, yeah, but the recovery of the king is different from a low grade like Ayakashi, you learned you how can't, to. You, you can't heal the soul, King Orihime. You're yeah. useless. <laughs> Remember how important you were? You're not now. <laughs> oh, man. Bleach was... Never gonna stop. Oh, my God. There's so. I, I can't stop. You, you mentioned Orihime, and I'm just like. <laughs> uh, so she's like, but I can't abandon you after you saved me. And then Sosuke's right there, and he's like, hey, go back to, like, wallowing in despair. That's when you're really delicious and tasty. Stop uh, not being sad. Yeah. Stop it. He basically pulls her away and leaves her, like, right in front of his, his you know, astral mouth-devouring thing, shadow devour, or whatever it's called. And he's like, bon appetit. And Suzu just is like, oh, Matsuri. And then we get a panty shot for some reason. Uh, and then a bunch of wind kicks up and blows Sosuke away. He's like, impossible. How could this be? Why are you? I know I devoured much of his haiku, his haku, his life. Your physical body should be dead. But there is Matsuri in his male form, it seems. He's still wearing the female outfit, but it appears to be his male form with the black hair. And he just says, let's finish this. Yeah, so um, it seems like the entire premise of the series has been undone. I'm sure that this change will be completely permanent. Uh-huh. It's, he's just going to be male for the rest of the series, Chris. Totally. Yep. That's how it's going to uh, be. But uh, this is a this is actually a really cool chapter. Uh, it's you know we get some character development with with Shirogane that is going a long way towards justifying his being part of the core group of good guys. Uh, I like that uh, Suzu gets this little bit of action uh, to show that, hey, you know, that little bit of train that we got to see, hey, it's paying dividends already. And uh, it's a big development at the end where it's like, hey, Matsuri's back. How the hell did this happen? Why is he not dead? Why is he a guy now? And uh, so looking forward to seeing where this goes and uh, seeing presumably soon the end of the fight with Sosuke. Yeah. I was going to say that it's it's absolutely ridiculous that he would stay in his human form. Uh, and I was going to go because I was like, I'm pretty sure I thought he was female on the cover art. But I looked, he's actually male on the cover art. So maybe this might have more permeance than I thought it would. Because <laughs> in my mind, I was like, if you click on the cha- like on the series and the main character doesn't look like that anymore, that would be a pretty crazy thing. Especially for a series that's only like, you know. 14 chapters old or however old uh, Ayakashi Triangle is, but who knows, I guess. This is, I guess, something to look forward to, the mystery of what will to come. Keep in mind, I mean, like, the turning into a into a girl thing, that was the twist of the first chapter that that happened. Mm-hmm. So, um, Yeah, I guess we'll see what, what, what comes of this. I will not be completely shocked if Matsuri does actually stay in his male form, but that I... I'm utterly convinced that his female form, this is not the last we've seen of it. So, yeah, 
I, I, I don't think so. Too many too many chances to throw boob to show boobs. Like, how yeah. can you possibly pass that up when you're a Kentari Apiki? So. Yeah, exactly. A, a character, too, who does not, like, isn't accustomed to a female body, so they constantly, like, oh, no, I, I thought I wasn't supposed to wear a, a skirt with pants or something like that. You know, you gotta have, you gotta keep all those good, you know, that deep well of jokes open. Otherwise, <laughs> just leave but, money you know, on the but, table. I think that, you know, if even if you do go for the like, well, he goes back and forth between forms uh, thing like in, in Ranma or Comfer or the other series that have done that kind of thing. I mean, there's some potential for stuff you can do there. There's the fact that, you know, Matsuri has formed relationships with Suzu's female friends and how his yeah. being guy could complicate that. Uh, so I think that there is definitely some interesting things that you can do with just this little little shake up, even if it's not a permanent thing. So, yeah, it also, I guess, does make the symbol on his belly make a little bit more sense now, too. Like, if because, it, you know, it had both gender symbols on it. So I guess it did. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that makes sense. All right. Let's talk about Black Clover. Uh, page 271. I don't know where the chapter title is in this one. Union. Union. It's on the first page, Chris. Oh, it's very tiny, and I don't have my glasses on. Um, Yeah, so uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair has activated his Devil Union mode, Canis. Uh, And we talked about how cool it looked last week, and uh, it still looks pretty cool. And basically, he's like, hey, you know, the only way for you to get stronger is to unite with your devil and draw out all of his power. So Asta sees, like, a tail coming up out of the ground, and it, like, grabs the two of them. And then, woo, there's a big spiral, and Asta's in his, like, kind of hybrid form with, like, half of his body kind of cloaked in darkness in, like, one wing. And Asta's like, huh? Where'd Sabretooth go? He's like, I'm right here! And, uh, yeah, he's, he's very tiny now. Very adorable. And he's like, this is what happens when I give you all my power! And not Nature Boy has to basically explain, like, yeah, so, you know, in Devil Binding Contract, the initiative belongs entirely to the one giving the order. So, in this case, the human. That's why I can use Union so easily. Your current condition isn't Union. That Devil's power is only trickling into you. So, you know, you still actually have to do training, which is basically what this chapter is. Um, it's a whole, like, kind of discussion about, like, you know... uh Asta has formed this kind of very weird contract. Uh, you know, uh, Sabretooth basically was like, I was actually planning to just take over your body and fight forever. I've never come out to fight, like, outside to fight before, so I, I don't know what to do, basically. I'm it's kind a, of as clueless as you are. twist on it, because Asta's like, well, how do I use your real power? And immediately leaves just like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Nature Boy Ric Flair summons a whole bunch of his little, like, dog monsters. He uses a spell called Pack. And he says this is one of Gidmolo's characteristics, which is the devil that he has. Uh, So this is what he summoned. And there's a whole legion of them. And Asta's, like, trying to run away. And he's like, oh, wow, all these guys have the the same key as, as Nature Boy Ric Flair. So 
you know, he's like, you know, you've made a contract on equal terms with the devil. And since your devil isn't your servant, using 100% of his power won't be easy for you. But this is the path you chose. So use that power to defeat me right now. So Asta's like, okay, I'm going to surpass my limits. And he pulls out Yami's sword and he calls it the Demon Slasher. And he's like, this is the Demon Slasher, Katana. So let's go get Captain Yami together. We'll surpass our limits. And I don't know why he does that again. Like, he kind of says that. It's Pokemon, Chris. Yeah. You gotta say the same thing over and over again. Basically. And the chapter just ends with H. Boyer Flair saying, I hate that phrase. And that's kind of the chapter. I This is another one of those Black Clover chapters that's significantly shorter than the other ones. Uh, we know every so often Tobata kind of gets into those health issues where chapters sometimes end up being truncated or unfinished. Uh, I believe Black Clover's going on a break. I think so. I thought I did hear something about there, that. There's a chapter that's going on break next week. I forget if it's that or if it's my hero. So, uh, This is a fine chapter. I do like that it's like, hey, we're going to have a cool new form for Asta soon because this isn't a full union. This is you know just a portion of it. And I, I do kind of like that. You know, Sabretooth's abilities are kind of small and weak in the grand scheme of things because it's like he doesn't know all the information either. He's kind of like on the same scale as Asta. So they do feel very uh, appropriate for one another. So I, I think all in all, it's a fine chapter. Yeah, Black Clover's on break next week. Yeah, there you go. Uh, no, I, I quite like this chapter. Um, I like the exchange between Asta and Lieb where they just kind of like are right, you immediately see the like, hey, we've learned that they're more co- that they have more in common than initially appeared to be, and now that that's been established, seeing them fight together has a kind of satisfying uh, dynamic between them. Uh, and then uh, I really like uh, Nox's uh, pack ability because it's like, okay, you know, it themes with you know he's using a hound demon thing, uh, but uh, so it's basically Shadow Clone, obviously. Uh, from Naruto, but there's a much more satisfying aesthetic to it, the way the hounds all look and the way that he summons them, because it's like, you know, a bunch of spotlights basically are cast on him from different directions. And so the shadows extend out in different directions and then each of the shadows becomes a copy. It's just a really cool uh, appearance. And it was really and it was just really satisfying just to see him see it. like you see that on phone. And you're like, oh, that's cool. So it's it's a nice little chapter. Yeah, I think it's pretty good, and uh, that'll that'll wrap it up for the the podcast this week. Yeah, I'm really sorry, guys, for the problems that my internet is still not up uh, at this time. It turns out there is some sort of a local outage, mm-hmm. uh, so apparently the same thing that probably knocked out my power knocked out probably some sort of a relay somewhere. Uh, so, yeah, sorry about that. But uh, we uh, hopefully we'll be back up to full speed next week. Um, but uh, hey, let's uh, go off on a positive note. Uh, Chris, what was your favorite chapter this week? <sighs> favorite chapter is kind of hard. Um, I, I, I think I'll give it to I'm going to give it to Mashal. I was I was considering giving it to Chainsaw Man, but I don't think the chapter of Chainsaw Man endeared me as much as I kind of think in retrospect. So I'm going to give it to Mashal, which is definitely the one I think I enjoyed the most. This is tough because there were a lot of chapters that I was actually really 
impressed by this week, but I'm going to give mine to Kaiju number eight uh, again. Uh, it was just a really solid uh, chapter from top to bottom. Uh, I liked seeing Ichikawa and Iharu uh, coming together and looking impressive and then just the big weight crashing down because the thing is just has too many tricks up its sleeves, is just too powerful for them to take down. But not all hope is lost because, you know, hope is on the way. It's it's just a very solid, very basic, but very well executed uh, shonen action sequence. So, yeah. Um, for my MVP, I think I'm going to go. I <sighs> Toilet Kaiju doesn't actually have a real name yet, does he? No, it doesn't. No. no then, so I don't have Toilet Kaiju tight twice on my list this year. I'm going to give it to Denji. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like the introspective. Call it the humanoid kaiju. I could, but I'd call it toilet kaiju, Nick. We both know I would. Uh, I'm going to give mine to Dobby. He had <laughs> the chapter, chapter was all about him. It it was, and uh, he made the chapter work. So I think that I, when you have a big, you know, villain thing like that, yes, it was a predictable turn, but it was, you know, it it went to it was executed uh, maybe not like oh wow i can't believe it but it's like hey yeah, he went all out on it and i love a lot of the visuals used for him and i love that i love the reactions that he gets from everyone and how deeply this is just tied to his personal history and when you've got an entire chapter that revolves around one character and that chapter doesn't suck i kind of feel compelled to go for that one so yeah. That's fair. All right. Uh, the audience, by the way, picked Chainsaw Man as their series of the week, and Dobby, they agreed with you, as the character of the week. Awesome. Well, that's going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, you can check out our past episodes on weeklymangarecap.podbean.com. Check out your hosts at RollOT, at NickFTime, uh, at Demar Podcast for the official podcast account. We record the show live on twitch.tv slash RollOT around 7.30 Eastern Wednesday evenings. Uh, Discord server is good. Mm -hmm. Many things on there. Uh, you can also find the Google Doc that ninjax 3 i maintains that keeps track of all the different stats associated with the show, recommendations that we're looking at, uh, and also you can just put your own recommendations down there. Uh, ask questions for us to answer on a future Q&A episode. Uh, and we want to give a special thanks to Infamous Planet, Steve Mann, our talk artist, and Wizard of Cheddar and Milo Jackson for the opening sequence of uh, Weekly Manga Recap. Yep. All right. That's going to do it. And next week, we're going to be talking about cells at work, right? Yes. There we go. All right. That's going to do it. Uh, I don't know how to end the episode. So if we don't do anything, no one could judge us, right? Well, Chris, uh, I'm running on my phone's data, so uh, I, I can't give you all the time in the world to figure out what we're going to do here. So. Okay. Well, I'll save you all the data I can then and wrap this up quickly. But on that thought, reminds me of Abraham Lincoln's... <laughs> Big speech, which is often truncated down to a small bite size, but the entirety of it is really what matters. Is it? Yes. Allow me to elaborate, starting okay. from the beginning. Opening quotation mark. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>
was like, what speech is he even talking? <laughs> exactly. 